Welcome to episode nine of the Throwing Haymakers podcast. As always, I'm here with Josh Erickson and Matt Sheridan. And this week we've brought along a fellow Last Word on Hockey writer or not, and editor, uh, Bill Grigsby, is joining us uh, this week. So, Bill, how are you doing? What have you been up to lately? I've uh, been up to my waist and higher trying to get this radio show off the ground. I, I do have some good connections, and that's always good. I, I thought I had a guy who would want to do ads, you know, because he yeah. used to play. He just used to be a goalie for the Phoenix Roadrunners years ago. Randy Exelby, if anybody's ever heard of him. And he's got a, a, a like a hockey equipment store called Behind the Mask. And I thought, perfect. So I sent him a Facebook message at 540 this morning. He says, at this time, we're no longer looking for further advertising. Right. Sorry. Is he re- so, is he related to Garnet Exelby? I, I don't think or something. Uh, I don't know that other Exelby. I just know Randy. Leafs legend Garnet Exelby. Uh, okay. Well, if he's a Leaf, I don't know a whole lot about him. But, <laughs> but uh, actually, Randy, if you look at his his uh, um, career stats, he's only played about three or four NHL games. Right. You know, no, nothing spectacular. But uh, anyway, he's trying to make a living here selling hockey gear. I thought that would be a perfect setup, but eh, strike one. Yeah. But other than that, doing fine. Uh, just trying to um, get things going, and uh, hopefully the show will go off the ground and I won't crash land. But yep. it'll be fun. I'm, I'm looking good. forward to it. Good, good. All right, well, uh, to get things kind of kicked off today, uh, I want to take a look at tonight's matchup. So we've got the Vegas Golden Knights and Dallas Stars playing in game three this evening. And, Matt, I want to start with you. Let's go to you first on this one. Um, what do you think for tonight's outcome? you think the Golden Knights will win or Stars going to make some noise? I, I think the Vegas Golden Knights will win. I mean, we were talking about this on last week as well with how much Josh loves Vegas. But when you just look up, up and down their lineup, I just think – Comparing them to Dallas, Dallas has had a great one in the playoff, great run in the playoffs so far. But Vegas is just so stacked on everywhere that they have that I just don't see them losing this game, especially with the way that Kudobin's been playing so far. So I think now that he's tired and the games are adding up for him, then I think Vegas can pounce and put a few in the back of the net and ride their goalie to a win. Yeah. Uh... I love Vegas. Love them. Think they're going to win the cup. I'm going to take the stars tonight. Um, Whoa. I'll see how that works out. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be. I'm going to go on a wild bet and say both teams actually score a goal in this game. No shutout tonight. Um, I don't know. I'm feeling it from Pavelski right now. I think he's had a quiet series so far and with how good he's been in the playoffs. Haven't noticed a lot from Heiskin in either yet. I think he's still got more left in the tank. Uh, Leonard's due for an off night. He's had a few really, really good games in a row. Um, I think it's kind of the perfect storm. Uh, you know, I still, I, I still think it's a game where Vegas generally – controls the pace and controls the play like they have aside from game one of that series where Dallas was able to keep puck possession. Um, but game two is more of the same from Vegas, just relentless keep away basically uh, worked in a, I believe three, nothing win. Uh, so I'll take Dallas. I mean, I'm not saying yes, they're going to win Vegas sucks, but 
No, I, I could see it being a 2-1 or 3-2 game tonight. I don't think anybody's going to get four goals. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to get four goals in this whole series. Uh, yeah, no, I'll take the Stars. I'll, I'll make it a series. I'll take the Stars. Yeah, no, and I, it's it's kind of wild. Like, going into the series, I thought Stars don't stand a chance. Vegas is just going to steamroll them, crush them, afterthought. Not a big deal. And now that I'm looking at the series, Kadobin's been really playing really well, and I, I'm impressed. I always knew that he was a really solid backup, a guy who can come in during the regular season, play you know, you know, 40 games in a year, and help relieve your starter and keep you guys in the playoff hunt. But seeing the way that he's played for Dallas in the playoffs this year, helping propel them to the conference finals and playing really strong game against an outstanding Golden Knights team is – incredible so if he can keep up this hot streak he's on right now I think it starts to go to the Stanley Cup finals I think they could win this game tonight and you know make the Knights look kind of silly in the process right. um, but at the same time you know you can't count Vegas out either because we've seen that they can rebound you know come back from bad losses so uh, it, it's going to be I'd say it's a pretty safe bet that Vegas, uh, Vegas could come back and win the series too. It's it's really a toss up, but I think I'm going to go with the Stars for the night. And uh, but Vegas is going to make this a close game and a tight series all the way to the end. Yeah, I still think if Dallas, you know, if Dallas wins tonight, it's still a very reasonable expectation that Vegas could win at six. Um, you know, take the last three here. Um, Vegas is a team similarly to Tampa that does not really have any weakness you've got an elite goalie in Leonard uh every defenseman serves their role near perfectly uh same goes for the forward group um I'd like a little more from Paul Stasny in this series I haven't been too impressed with him but you know he'll get there um and one of the best coaches in the NHL in DeBoer um so you I mean you've got a pretty well-oiled machine where Dallas is just shown a lot of inconsistency throughout the playoffs I mean when they've been on they've been on as much as any other team has um but yeah I don't, they don't there's a team in Vegas that is putting up one of the most dominant playoffs that we've seen um and they just seem like a team that isn't going to be stopped um, do you know when Ben Bishop's due to be back I don't think it matters I wouldn't go back even if he is healthy. I would. I think. I think if he's healthy, the I think the Dallas Stars can make can make this a series for sure. I mean, I don't. I don't know what he's going to do that Kadobin isn't doing. Um, you know, they tried to put him in when he was still eh, and he gave up whatever it was those four goals in the first period, and he hasn't dressed since. So I, I don't I don't know what the prognosis I don't know if it's I heard neck, I've heard back, I've heard I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, but whatever it is, it's nagging and if they want him moving forward legitimately, I don't think it's a good idea to put him in a game right now when he's obviously still recovering from something that's pretty chronic and nasty. But like I said, if Dallas can't get their offense going, Vegas plays like you said, they play they play keep away with the other team. They're very good at puck possession. Dallas is more physical. I, I don't know. One, one of those things is going to come out and 
cause one team to win. Everything right. And I, I, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people railing, railing on Sagan. Uh, he hasn't been great, but he's also playing hurt. That, that's been established. He's playing with a uh, either pretty severely sprained or even broken wrist. Um, so I don't, I mean, I get why you'd be unhappy with his performance, but I mean, you can't, you can't hold it against him. You can't shoot the puck. You've got a broken wrist. Um, I mean, that's just got to be an insane amount of <laughs> drugs he's on to go out and play every night. So, and I, I do want to say, sure. I do want to say that I think the physical game does win out here, and I, I go to that mainly. I look back to last year's Cup Finals. We saw that Boston got beat down pretty hard in those final in those final games, and you know it cost it cost them the Stanley Cup. They didn't have the same physicality that that the Blues had. So looking at this series, like you said, Bill, the Dallas playing more physically, I really do genuinely think that gives them the edge. When you get down to this time of year, you know the top four teams left. Yeah, talent's going to get you through the first two rounds. You know, if you have the, all those star players then that will push you through the first rounds of the playoffs because you're playing lesser teams. When you get down to the final four, all those teams have the same level of talent or pretty close to it anyway. So you have to have that physical edge or you're not going to get very far. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, uh, the St. Louis-Boston thing you bring up, right? I mean, those were two teams that, for all intents and purposes, we're pretty much when you take away that physical aspect, we're a pretty dead even draw. I think um, St. Louis had a stronger decor. Um, Boston had the goaltending edge. I, I still think, aside from Game Seven, um, I think. I mean, I'll go out on a limb here. I think St. Louis has Tuka Rask to thank for that series victory more than their physicality. Um, that was one of those games that was just, it was just decided by goaltending. So yeah, once the team that wins, once that comes out, I mean, everybody's going to pick their storylines, right? Of why did they win? Why did they win four games out of seven and not realizing that well, if you take away that seventh game, no one had the advantage, <laughs> right? Uh, so, so, you know, you look at those storylines and sweeps and five-game victories and seven-game series, those are teams that didn't have a whole lot of advantage against each other. So in most seven-game series, you just got to look at, well, what happened in that seventh game? And that's the defining aspect of that series. So, yeah, sure, maybe the Blues wore down Rask because his team was worn down. I mean, sure. Um, and, yes, Dallas is the more physical squad. Um but again, Bill brings up Leonard. Uh, you can't beat that guy right now. I think he's the best goalie left. Um, Vasilevsky, a close, close, close second. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the rumors are there. Five by five for Leonard, right? And Vegas is going to have to make a decision about Flurry this offseason. But everything is pointing towards them investing in him long term which in order to do, you have to say goodbye to the person you entrusted to be the face of your franchise. So what does that say to you about, A, not only how highly they value Leonard internally, which 
considering all of the quality they've picked up, you have to, you know, just take a wild guess here and say, hey, the Knights have a pretty good scouting department externally and internally. Um, and B, it's, it's no secret now. Um, very few goalies will get $5 million on a one-year deal like Chicago gave him. Uh, so the signs are there. He's a game-breaking goalie, in my opinion. So I, yeah. I just wanted to touch base on one more thing before we move on. I just wanted to really liked how Ryan Reeves is like just the personality he brings to the game and everything, the way he was trash talking Kudobin. I just thought that was kind of funny. It's, it's definitely a different way to get into the heads of their players. He might not make that much of an impact on the score sheet, but the way he's able to get into the opponent's heads with his shit from the bench might have to edit that out. My bad. Uh, no worries. Don't worry about it. We're, the, we're keeping that in. Yeah. With this stuff from the bench, just I think it's entertaining. Oh no, I love Revo. Uh, yeah, entertaining guy. Entertaining man. Yeah. I didn't like the way he uh, crushed Nick Shaw, Nick Schmaltz out of the playoffs for the Cowboys. Yeah, that was an interesting kind hit. of a dirty hit. Yeah. No, it was. Yeah. I mean, the, I will say, as as not fun as that play is to watch, like. That's just kind of the element he brings to the game. It's like he's going to talk smack and he's going to hit you hard. I mean, that, that's his job, so. Right. That's but, I mean, I, I don't – he deserves the suspensions he gets for sure. Um, yeah. I don't think that is what – I don't think necessarily his physicality in a nutshell is what makes him makes him such an attractive prospect for a team – it's the ability that to have where the other team's going, this guy's on the ice, and I have to focus on him just a little bit more, which takes away from their, you know. Why do you think Carrier and Noshek do so much better offensively than they should, right? Because you've got a wrecking ball out there in Reeves that everybody else is just enamored with. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't like the hitting – part of his game I don't uh nasty hit on Schmaltz it was a nasty hit on Tyler Mott which you can say it doesn't look intentional at first watch it a couple more times I mean you'll you'll see the shoulder jut out there it's not a good hit um, the Coyotes need a, need a player like him I'm not too sure why they're not they have Lawson Krause but you know he's who's, just, yeah he's right. big but he's not nasty like Reeves and, you know, when you got a little guy like Connor Garland getting pushed around and his head almost taken off, nobody's there defending him. You know, that they right. need that element. They miss Domi. Yeah, yeah don't, Domi would not hesitate. He's a little guy too, but he would drop the gloves on a heartbeat. So. I know. I just remember that one, it was either his rookie year or his second year, and I just remember him one-punch dropping Ryan Kessler in a game. Yes. It's like <sighs> – like father, like son, man. That's right. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Do you think, uh, Bill, do you think they go out and get a guy like Will Sim- uh, Wayne Simmons in uh, free agency? No, he's a little old. That, that type of player, that would be good. They don't have any money, though. They can't do anything. Right. That's why I'm hoping, you know, something happens with the Hall deal or OEL. And, you know, it looks like they're going into a full-blown rebuild, which is like – again because you know right here are tired of it they got they got to the playoffs but they got there with a you know free ticket punched by getting into the play-in 
that wouldn't have happened because they were not playing well before the pandemic shut down. So they, yeah, they need a lot of stuff and they don't have money to do it. You know, and Shaika blew the wad and left town and left him with no draft picks. I don't think too many people think highly of him right now. Right. I mean, here's the thought that crosses my mind. Do you uh, do something similar just because you need picks? Do you do something similar to what the Jets did last summer with Kevin Hayes, which is you're not going to keep him, ship him out of town for a third-round pick so another team gets the negotiating rights? Um, I could see that happening if Colorado wanted to give up a third to get the end deal on. And I, I think that becomes an even more attractive prospect this year especially because of the way free agency is set up where there's no, you know, it used to be that for basically about five days before noon on July 1st, players could kind of, they could talk to other teams. Mm -hmm. There's a bit of a grace period there, right? Where you remember all those different teams uh, going and making pitches to John Taveras. Um, There's nothing like that this year. You can't do that. Uh, So, your pending UFAs are truly all yours until the clock strikes noon on what's it going to be now, October 9th. Uh, So do you do that just to recoup some of your lost draft capital? I mean, that's, you wouldn't get a first back out of that. You get a, you get a third go and you know, in a draft as deep as this, that's not bad. Well, Calgary really needs a a, a left. Def- well, they, they need defense. Period. Their guys are just running out of contract space. So, uh, I, I can see where this latest rumor from Friedman that the, the Flames are interested in OEL. Um, it just seems like OEL's done here, and I don't know what happened between him and Tockett. He played much better before Tockett. He played better for Tippett, but you yeah, eight point two five. He's really not bringing the goods home so they need you know they need they need to get rid of them in some way and get something back get some draft picks right a young prospect get something and i i think if you make that deal with calgary that's an absolute win right yeah, yeah. i mean the team more than anything needs a shakeup, and calgary's in a position where i think that team is too far gone quite frankly um so I, I, I think Calgary, from, from a Calgary perspective, I think it's an extremely boneheaded move to acquire that big of a deal. Um, and yeah. There's no way Arizona makes that deal if they're retaining any salary because of the crunch that they're in. Um, so if Calgary does that. They're taking on the full 8.25. Um, and, yeah, I get that Giordano is going to fall off a cliff next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a team that – even with OEL, that's a massive deal to acquire just to be last in the West in a couple of years. Um, yeah, I don't see them going the other direction. You're right. They're, they're going downhill instead of yeah. uphill. You know, if Arizona can work out a thing where – I don't think the Coyotes need a whole – right? Because if you get a healthy Ronta, that's fine. Uh, I'm of the minority that thinks Aiden Hill is ready for a full-time NHL job if you wanted to keep him as a backup. Yeah. So that's internal replacement. You don't need to go out and spend mm-hmm. more money on a backup. Uh, if you do swap Ekman Larson for Goudreau, you're cutting costs there. Um, yeah. 
And then you effectively get a guy who with the right coaching and right environment could give you the same offensive production that Hall was giving you. True. Um, yeah, I'm done with Ronta. I, I'm sorry. The guy's great when he's in, but he's never right. in. He's never I, mean, I was I was at a game where he was the guy's got bad luck. He was actually in a car accident driving to the arena to the game and he was supposed to start. And then we got there, it's like, wait, I thought Ronta was starting. And then they later told us he was in a car accident. So right. it, it was like, you know, what else can happen to him? But he right. just can't stay healthy. And a player like that loses credibility on the team. It's like you're never there. It's like I can't depend on you. Right. Um, so I can see them trading him too. Yeah. Just speaking about the Ekman Larson, I, yeah, it'd be awesome for Arizona to get like the whole contract out of there, but I don't see them being able to, like, I don't see a, a team taking on his $8.25 million contract because yeah. he's, he's kind of fall like, well, look, oh, yeah, used to, like, he used to be a great defenseman, but now it's something like a Subban trade where Subban's going to be traded to the Devils, but they're going to take, on the full contract and not get as much back just because of the favor that they're doing for the other team. I don't, you're definitely not getting Goudreau for OEL one for one. That's not happening. Well, and normally I'd agree with you, but the second half of that rumor is that Calgary is also kicking tires on Rasmus Ristolainen. So they're obviously not being entirely smart right now. Uh, why would you trade? Why would anybody want that guy like i just don't understand it he's not a good fit especially there um so i agree with you in that oel is not worth the 8.25 but if you're trading with a calgary team that wants crystalline uh i could see calgary being dumb enough to make that move i hope they do for the coyotes sake because man that would be a sweet deal it would i mean Here's the thing, too. Is, I, I, mean, I still don't see it. Ekman yeah, Larson's I mean, only 29. I know that, you know, he's, he's definitely past the point where he's going to develop. Like, where he's at, he's going to stay there. He's not going to get much better. But that also, we can't say that he's never going to bounce back either. We've seen right. that happen with guys that they, you know, they have a bad year or two, and then they bounce back after. So I don't think it's necessarily worth writing him off totally at this point. Because, you know, he could have a, a comeback year in a year or two. And, you know, a change of scenery can help guys find that. So, yeah. you know, you never and, know. You know. Bill hit the nail on the head that it's a I, – I, I totally agree. I think it's a coaching issue with him. Because uh, that was a – it was a pretty stark drop-off. Um, goes to Calgary, finds a fit better with Ward. Then maybe Calgary gets their Giordano replacement. And they can get some guys in free agency, and all of a sudden, it's not too bad. Um, but, you know, everything remains to be seen. And Calgary's, Calgary's got a first rounder, a second rounder, and a fifth rounder, and a sixth rounder. But, uh, you know, throw a pick in there, too, and maybe it'd be worth it. I, I, I know they're going to be looking at supplementing their draft picks because they're just decimated by the sanctions. So Right. Um, I, I, I mean, agree with even... you guys. Go ahead. I agree with you guys on the fact that OEL could definitely bounce back. I mean, looking at his stats, he, he had 44 points in 2018-19, and then he had 30 points this year. He's not bad, but I just I look at an 8.25 million dollar defenseman, and that's not and someone I want who's more. putting right. up 30 points. That's someone who is that number one guy who's 
consistently going out there and getting the points, doing everything yeah. for his team. And I'm not saying he can't do that if he has a bounce back year because he has proven that he can put up 40 points plus on an, a yearly basis. But at this point, I'm not doing that at his cap hit. Yeah. Um, but look, I mean, it, Arizona could sweeten the deal because Calgary needs some forward depth. You know, is it a scenario where since the Coyotes are going to need to clear some roster spots and cap here, do you maybe do like Ekman Larson and Christian Fisher? Exactly. Calgary, right? I've been trying to get rid of Christian Fisher for a while. I Well, I think he's a – if memory serves me, I think Fisher's an RFA. But still, yes. I mean, that's that's – clearing a guy that you don't have to re-sign for a million and a half. Right. Uh-huh. He's coming and, off his entry level, so it's going to be about a million and a half. That's all he's going to get. Yeah. Cause his, I mean, his, the his, dudes, he had a good rookie year, and he's done yep. jack. So. He's a big physical guy. He's a fourth-line checker. That's about it. Yeah. Um, Calgary's, also, got, Calgary's got like 17 million next year in cap space. So that's interesting too. Right. Well, it's because you're losing, they have a bunch of FAs in yeah. Hamannick and Eric Gustafson and, mm-hmm. you know, Arizona is not going to be, they're not going to be active in free agency. So no. this is a team that is deciding, well, Hey, there's a way that we can, still actually maybe make a playoff push next year and clear cap mm-hmm. it's going to be through trades um right and hopefully they get a guy if it's sullivan great i have more faith in him than friggin pierre mcguire oh my gosh. <laughs> just i almost cried he got two interviews can you believe that he got two yeah. interviews they, they said they're no longer considering him which is just yeah and i put a i put an emoji like phew. Thank you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, man, that would be an interesting little tidbit there. Um, yeah. I really would like, if Sullivan doesn't get it, I would like to get Sean Burke. Um, He'd be interesting. Yeah. He's got a history with the club and he's been, I've, I used to have press passes when I was with another uh, hockey site and I saw him down there when they were playing the Canadians. He was scouting for them. He's still in that role, I believe. But yeah. a really good guy. I saw him at a rookie camp once. And, uh, you know, we're just sitting there. And he came up and talked to me and my buddy. And, you know, re- real, real nice guy. Yeah, because um, Bur- Burke was their guy after Hobby Bowen left, right? Exactly. Yeah, he did pretty well. I think it was a Vezina nominee one year or something. Yeah. He had a couple good seasons. And you got to get somebody because of the short notice. I mean, the draft's coming up in a few weeks. They don't even have a GM yet. I mean, Sullivan's, right. he's got authority to make deals and stuff, but. Yeah, like Sullivan's okay. Like, I'm not angry if you keep him. Right. Me neither. Um, but I, I think there are better options there. Me too. Um, All right, well, while we are on the topic of Arizona, I want to kind of pivot a little bit um, and switch to the Taylor Hall conversation just because we're looking at one of the biggest fish that is set to hit the free agency market this year, um, the big fish, and honestly probably one of the best free agents since John Tavares. Um, so where do we think he could potentially land? Because it's he's not had the best 
uh, numbers since arriving in Arizona. He hasn't had hasn't necessarily played the best, and with Hall being who he is, he's likely going to want to go to a contender. Uh, having only made the playoffs a couple times in his career, having played for Edmonton and New Jersey prior. Uh, so where do we think he could wind up? Uh, who do you think is going to sign him in free agency? Who has the money and can, you know, ha- has a roster that's good enough to push the playoffs? Look, I still think Colorado's got the edge here. Um, yes, McCarr is going to have a deal soon. Yes, Landis Scott is going to have a deal soon. But, you know, that's the argument you make against Colorado signing, uh, I mean, Hall and Petrangelo, which plenty of people were saying, well, well, they have $22 million in space. They can get both Hall and Petrangelo. Well, no. Just no. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to pull it up here. Yeah, I mean, Colorado's got $22 million, something $22 like that. ish Yeah. Uh, so, Nemestikov's not coming back. Uh, they already made that pretty clear. Uh, Nieto's going to not be back. Um, I don't think Zadorov's back either. I don't. I think he's an RFA. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they qualify him. They they just have too many other options, uh, and especially since they've got Ian Cole on there for another year, he's not going anywhere. Um, but you've got Ryan Graves, who's going to resign, uh, probably in the neighborhood of uh, three and a half to four, um, which is going to be steep. But it's what you need to pay for a guy who's that sound. It's kind of like that Jalmerson deal in Arizona, uh, where you're paying for the defensive prowess. Uh, what sucks is that Burakovsky's in a contract year too, so you're going to need to pay him. Uh, but yeah, he did well, but he's been wildly inconsistent throughout his career. So you can still get him probably for around four, four and a half. Uh, you're going to want to re-sign Nachushkin and Jost, which brings you to about 10. Um, now, will Hall take seven to go to Colorado? He might. I say yes. I'd agree with that because Mans wants to win a trophy here. Uh, he's said that. He's been very vocal about it. He'll take less. Uh, you know, supposedly I, I, the, the, the Coyotes supposedly offered him seven point two five, and he didn't say yeah, yes. Yeah, it was like a five where they by seven point two five. Yeah, yeah. So he wants yeah. more than that, apparently, or things would be well, done. Well, I think if Colorado offers him that deal, he takes it. Yeah, because he's got a good chance of winning right. the cup there. Because then you've got Landeskog, McKinnon, Ranton, and Hall, Kadri, <laughs> Burakovsky, and that, you know. Unbelievable, yeah. We don't want to talk about that, right? Um, so say you take him for seven, and that brings you to about uh, two mil. Uh, and yeah, you talk about this cap crunch Colorado's going to have with McCarr and Landeskog, but the scariest thing about Colorado is they have Shane Bowers coming. They have Logan O'Connor coming. They have Martin Kaut coming. They have Connor Timmins coming. They have Bowen Byram coming. So their roster for the next few years 
is going to have a lot of ELCs on it. So this cap crunch we're talking about probably isn't going to hit until McKinnon needs a new deal, which is 2023. Um, and if you get Hall, your chances of winning a cup in the next three years are pretty damn high. Right? Imagine, so I, can you imagine Hall and McKinnon on the same line? It's like, right, where it's just, smoke. you know, where both of those – and, you know, Hall and McKinnon, that's an arrangement where Hall doesn't have to drive his own line which right. he can do, but Arizona's system wasn't catered to him or for that style of, you know, Arizona's a center-driven system. Your lines are driven by Dvorak. They're driven by Stepan. They're driven by Schmaltz. Um, where you've got a serious yager you potential here with Hall and McKinnon, where you're going to have both these guys put them together, easily put up, they could both put up 110 points. You've got Kadri behind him, who might be good for 60. Landeskog on Kadri's wing, also good for 60. Don't forget about friggin' Miko Rantanen, right. right? That's 90. Potential to have your entire first line net at least 90 points, every player. Uh, where you're looking at an offense that's gonna maybe beat out Tampa's um and then Gerard McCarr Graves mm-hmm. Byram Timmons yeah, they're just PJ loaded. it's just not fair um don't forget about Alex Newhook Alec oh my god Alex Newhook too there's your third line center for the next five years um you know which is why like even if a Colorado wanted to trade Tyson Joseph's rights this offseason. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, he's a guy that you're going to be able to pawn off pretty much any time. Um, but they've just done such a good job setting this up that even if you signed Hall and maybe even eight, I don't think you're in much of an issue here because you'll be able to stay pretty healthy around that $2 million. And, you know, they say you're never in a cap crunch until you have unmovable assets, which is why a team like Tampa isn't really in a cap crunch because they could all they could put any one of their players on the block and there would be teams who would take them, like an Alex Kalorn who got suspended today, as he should have, um, mm-hmm. or a Tyler Johnson. Or, I mean, the only contract I don't love is Yanni Gord, but he could be a $5 million player on another team. He is on Tampa when he plays in their second and third lines, just not when he's on the fourth. Um, and Colorado's set up in a very similar fashion. They don't have a bad deal on that team, aside from maybe the Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson's deal I don't like. But Ian Cole's only got a year left. It does shock me that Ian Cole is making over $4 million a season. It seems high, but he's only got one year left, so whatevs. Uh, what, about, what about Dallas? I, I did an article on this, where Hall might land, and yeah. I was doing some you know, armchair GM things, and Dallas has $18.5 million on their yeah. cap space, and he'd be scary on that team too. Oh, Not as for sure. Not as much as Colorado, though. Colorado, just, but... Yeah. 
you just put the like he's a guy that I can definitely see. He puts the emphasis of, on wanting to win, and that's what yeah. like like you said when you mentioned with Colorado, he's he's gonna want to go to a team like that because he'll take less money, but he he wants the chance to win the Stanley Cup because I think he's been to the playoffs what twice in his whole career, mm-hmm. counting his playing yeah. round. Yep, that. I've also heard mentioned of Montreal. I was like, I could see that he doesn't mind the the media or the spotlight, but just if he wants to contend, that's not I, I, not to take anything away from Montreal. They have they have a good solid team and they have some solid prospects coming up. But if he wants to win right now, I I have to agree with what Josh said and said, and go with Colorado because they're a team that's on the up and coming. And when you have guys like McKinnon signed to like five and a half million or whatever he makes, I think like that. It's, yeah. it's, it's scary. And their prospects like Byram and those guys, it's it's a team that's going to contend for at least the next five years. I mean, well, let, let's pivot. I, I do want to, you know, I, I want to go back and look at Dallas because I think that's intriguing. Uh, they're like Colorado where they've got a couple guys who aren't going to be back. Uh, Yanmark, probably gone. Corey Perry's not coming back. Andre Shecker is probably retiring. Uh and really, then you only have three guys to re-sign with that money, which is Foxa, who should probably be around four. Hints, who bridge deal, probably around three. Uh, and same thing for Guriano. Uh, the big question mark is Dobby, Anton Kudoba. Uh If they opt to let him go, which they could, uh, I certainly think they could be in the market for Hall. Uh, I think no matter what, Dallas is making a splash here. Uh, and if they can't get Hall, a uh, guy who I can really see them going after is Tyler Toffoli. Uh, if they do re-sign Kadobin, that's going to eat up probably another three, four million, uh, which would take a lot of convincing for Hall to choose Dallas yeah. over Colorado because at that point, Dallas wouldn't even be able to offer him as much as Colorado would. Uh, Colorado's just better primed over the next three seasons uh no he definitely could go there uh but i think dallas is letting Kadobin walk to make that happen uh which again it's the same kemper ranta deal in arizona where you've got two really good goalies in dallas but one of them's always hurt uh and that's they've relied so much on Kadobin uh in recent years so It'll be interesting to see what they do with him. I think that's going to be the deal breaker. Um, but I, I think no matter what, Dallas is adding an impact forward this summer. Uh, extend their cup, cup window by a couple of years for sure, at least it, until Pavelski's deal is up. It will be interesting to see who they sign. They always go out and make a, a big splash in free agency. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's been standard procedure them for, yeah. them for the past. Jim Neal's not afraid to spend money. and. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to touch, that'd be an interesting signing for Toffoli because I've heard rumors that Vancouver, like he really enjoyed his time in Vancouver. But when you look at what he, there's rumors that say that he, if he doesn't resign in Vancouver, he really wants to go back to Southern California. And I understand that because he spent his entire career there, but he's definitely an impact player who could definitely make a solid, solid contribution to the stars lineup and ultimately right. extend their uh, cup contention window a few years. Right. But, I mean, look, where's, oh. where's Toffoli going to go? He's not going to go to the Sharks. He's not going to go to the Ducks. I mean, unless any of them want to pay him, right? Uh, 
Coyotes aren't going to have the money to sign him. That'd be close. Vegas doesn't, right? I, I just don't think. Um, though I do, I do think it's certainly viable that the Canucks re-sign him too. I, you look um, at LA, they're not, they're not far out. Like the amount of prospects that they have that could make an impact in the next few years, if he signs a five-year deal or something with them, he's definitely... Right, if he does, well, that's interesting. Because, well, because LA... Go ahead. Yeah, because if they draft... Like, even if they draft Stutzel or Byfield, you got a guy that's going to maybe take... Stutzel's maybe one or two years away from the NHL. He can make the NHL a training camp. Um, and then Byfield, he's a guy that's not going to make... Uh, well, mixed emotions, but a guy that can go in there and make an impact in the next few years as well. And then Turcotte... Anderson Dolan, like Velarde, you got um, Bjornfoot and uh, guys like that. It's just they're on the up and coming as well. Yeah, because the totally the Kings have hella mega. Rounds. They have they have fifteen mil at least in cap space. Uh, most of their cap crunch days are over. Um, so it depends on the position they want to go in because I do think LA could right. Because LA is in a position where they want to drag this out for another year, um, because 2021 isn't going to be that strong of a draft. So I don't think there's a whole lot of incentive for LA to suck for another year, um, because they won't. I I don't think they're going to be at the bottom of that division next year, even if they don't make any big moves, just because you're going to get full season of Velarde, full season of maybe Turcotte, Anderson Dolan, you know, all these guys and whoever they get in the draft. Um, and their defensive prospects too coming in another uh, development run for former Leafs, Carl Grunstrom and Trevor Moore, Sean Dursey as well. Um, that's going to be a solid team next year. If you get to Foley, I say wild card is a reasonable expectation yeah. for that team next year. Um, and that's not necessarily, I don't see that as selling out or rushing a rebuild. You've done it the right way. You're going to get your big guy in this year's draft, whether it's Byfield or Stutzel or Drysdale. Um, so I'd say go ahead with it. I, I, I wouldn't have even thought about it that way. Um, but for sure. I also Gosh, can't help um, with – go ahead, Brandon. Um, so I actually kind of want to pivot back a little bit. So back okay. to like the whole Taylor Hall thing. I've got an yeah. interesting team that I'd like to throw in the mix. A little bit of a dark horse here, if you will. I do. I think it's actually realistic. No, but it's a very interesting conversation to have and an interesting look. And they have the cap space to do it. What would happen if you put heart-winning Taylor Hall alongside another heart winner and a heart nominee this year in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl going back to Edmonton? Yeah, that team is on the cusp of. I don't like I said. I'm not sure how realistic it is, but let's just insert him into that lineup real quick because it is possible for this to happen. I'm looking at their free agents this off season as well. Andreas Athanasiu, Ethan Bear, and Matt Benning are all restricted free agents. The only yeah, well, two unrestricted guys you're losing are Tyler Ennis and Riley Shahan. So you could bring back a couple of those guys and still bring in Taylor Hall. If he takes a, I guess, like we said, a short-term deal. And we've talked about how the big issue with Edmonton is they don't have offensive depth. They're a top-heavy team. And I understand this isn't bringing necessarily a lot of depth, but it 
brings that top line to a level where other teams cannot contend with that. I, I would legitimately put that line above Boston. I would put that line above Colorado. I don't so see you're going to say, well, let, let's get this. Let's hold on. Let's think about this. Here. They got about 10 in space, all things considered. Yeah. So Green's retired. Uh, you're not re-signing Sheehan, not re-signing Mike Smith. At least I hope you're not re-signing Mike Smith, dear Lord. Um, I'm pretty sure, you know, I'm scrolling through my off-season primer that I did for these guys. Um, a lot of things have changed since then. Uh, I said they were going to re-sign FMCU. That's not going to happen. They're going to let him go. Uh, and you say Tyler Ennis is going to walk. Uh, which okay, sure. I'm not saying he's gonna. Not, I'm not necessarily saying he's going to walk. I'm just saying. Right, you're just saying if, if you're gonna go to, get Hall. Gone. If you're gonna yeah. go get Hall, you're saying Ennis is back. Okay, totally get that. Uh, and then you're just re-signing Bear effectively. Um, and then I'd say bring, maybe look at Benny as well. Uh, I don't like him. I'd say why would you do that if you're gonna have Bear and you need Caleb Jones to have a roster spot next year. Um, and, and maybe Bouchard too. Um, okay. So Bear will take you 2.53. But then again, you're up at that seven mark and then you really can't do anything. I mean, you're right up against it. And let's see who Edmonton's well, got. Well, next year, coming up. next year hitting the free agency, you've got Chase on. Uh, Which Patrick is Patrick Russell. But you've got um, Yamamoto. Nugent Hopkins. Right? Nugent Hopkins is the big one that they're going to be losing. But also also next year you have Adam Larson and Chris Russell coming off the books. And those are some pretty sizable cap hits for guys oh, okay. who aren't producing a lot. Yeah, both of them are going to be gone. At least they better. Um, or if they come back, they're coming back on much less money. That's about 8 mil. But then you're leaving 8 mil for Nugent Yamamoto. Which is not gonna happen, I don't think. Not after what Yamamoto Yamamoto was point per game this year. Yamamoto is gonna be a sixty point player next season. Um, hall or no hall. Um, so that's gonna be tough to get them both under eight. Josh, I see your future as being a GM. You you got some <laughs> you got some good thoughts there. Right. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't see it. Right. I mean, I'd get it. I'd love to see it happen. I think it's a one year deal. If it does happen. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if it does happen, I do not think it's long-term. I think it's Edmonton trying to, you know, get this little playoff window they've got right here, right now. They're trying to maximize as much as they can and getting Hall would move mountains for them. Yeah. I think they need you also got to look at the, <laughs> you also got to look at the side of him still feeling betrayed at the whole way of how he exited Edmonton. Because I think yeah. I, I was reading something on Twitter a while back that said, um, even if he was offered the opportunity to go back to Edmonton, no one thinks he'd take it just because of how he hated how they dealt pr- pretty much how they handled the situation of him leaving right. and trading him to New Jersey. And I will say, I, I, just, I did. Yeah. I did preface this with saying, like, I don't know how realistic it is actually. Yeah. I'm just saying just the thought of that happening makes Edmonton so much of a better team and a legitimate threat to contend in the West. Oh, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And looking at Edmonton, I just – I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place because McDavid is and Dryset are such good players, but 
like you mentioned, the lack of offensive depth on that team is it frustrates me because you have a pre like the premium. You want McDavid in the playoffs. It makes the NHL that much better. And as much as you have decent prospects and Evan Bouchard and Philip Broberg, those guys aren't going to put up 50 points and lead that team back to the playoffs. So I see them having to make a solid addition to their team through free agency. Yeah. All right. So the next thing we got on our list is looking at last night's game. What a game. Uh, Islanders and Tampa Bay tied going to the third period and Nikita Kucherov ending it in the final seconds of regulation uh, to give Tampa Bay the win. Now, that, that series has been a lot closer than I personally thought it would. Uh, and so well, I wanted to get your guys' game. thoughts on it. <laughs> that game. I, mean, eight, I wouldn't call yeah, it to too close. I'm going to put it this way. I didn't think the Islanders stood a chance against Tampa right. Bay. Okay. And they they at least made it close last night. I thought the first game was how I the entire the series was going to go. Exactly. I thought the, I thought game one was how the entire series was going to go for the most part, just because talent-wise they are so outmatched. Yeah. Um, so I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. And, Bill, we'll start with you because you're the only one who hasn't really gone first yet. Uh, I want to <laughs> get your thoughts on last night's game and well, uh, predictions I, I did, for the future. Yeah, I, I didn't watch it, but I did watch the replays and – what what I noticed is on that winning goal, uh, you know, they had a good chance right before that nice save, but but the Islanders didn't retrieve the puck behind the net. Somebody, uh, whoever whoever gave uh, Kucherov that pass, he, he, was on, he was on the yeah. spot. McDonough, yeah, he was on the spot and put it on his stick, and you know that guy's not going to miss. I don't care where he's shooting from, he's he's deadly. But um, I think Tampa Bay's out to prove that. Last year was a fluke. They're still as good, but they're a little bit more focused this year. Let's say a whole lot more focused. So even with the Islanders' tough defense and good goaltending, Tampa Bay's really outmatching them. And I, I think they showed that in the first two games. Even though last night was a close game, they still came out with the win. Yeah, there's a reason John Cooper didn't get fired last year. Uh, he's an incredible man, a really likable person. And a really smart coach. Um, like, ha- like you see his celebration on the bench after that goal. What other coach in the league shows that type of emotion, right? Like, he's a player's coach, um, which is what you need in Tampa. Uh, the outlook is not good with Braden Point potentially not being ready to go for game three. I don't think they're, they've missed Stamkos, which is saying a lot. Um, Not at all. They haven't missed Stamkos at all. They're going to miss point big time. Yeah, point's good. If that, he's my Con Smythe winner for them. Uh, Hedman a close second, Kucherov an even closer third. Um, so that'll be interesting to see uh, what unfolds with that. Um, Tampa's on that mission. Uh, similarly to, you know, what we said about Vegas, not really any weaknesses. Um, that's going to be two meteors colliding in the cup final. If that happens, I legitimately think that'll probably be the best cup final we've seen since probably 2013 Chicago, Boston. Um, 
it'll be an incredible series and i really do hope it happens because man uh but tampa's got something to prove here they're doing it all the right ways everybody is pulling their weight um and you look at the guys who are in there and actually contributing uh, you know i i saw a post the other day it's like if you told me that in you know 2020 that tampa bay had Braden Coburn, Jacques Bogosian, and Luke Shen all on the same team. And you told me that in 2009, and you told me they were the best team in the league. I, I would agree with you for very different reasons than there are now. Um, so guys who you wouldn't expect, it's your Barclay Goodrows, it's your Blake Coleman's who have been absolutely ridiculous. I always liked Goodrow. I always liked Coleman. They've been ridiculous for these guys. Uh, picking up for kind of actually kind of quiet playoff runs from guys like Anthony Sorelli, uh, Tyler Johnson haven't been great because uh, your third line's been playing like a first line with uh, uh, Gord, Coleman, and Goudreau. Um So it really is incredible to see just the depth they present. Patty Maroon's been good. Hedman's been some of the best I've seen him uh, when he's healthy. That's big. And Vasilevsky's been playing some of the best hockey I've seen him play. Uh, I think he's pretty much dispelled the notion that he's just a good goalie on a great team. He's a great goalie. Uh, yeah, maybe he's still a little overrated, um, but a really small amount, I'd say. Uh, he's good. Everybody on that team is just plain good. Uh, Islanders were going to have issues. They had issues. I thought what they did was impressive. I believe Tampa only had 10 shots through two periods. Um, but I also think Tampa came out trying to be too physical, and it got them into trouble fast. Um, they dialed it back. Um, they've made a living out of these late playoff win goals. I seem to remember Tyler Johnson doing that against Montreal a few years back scoring a game winning goal with like three seconds left in the game or something. Uh, yeah. They're living for so, it right now, man. And it's fun to watch. We saw a last minute goal. With, I think it was Kadri in Colorado. Yep. Just, a lot just, of them just, just a few weeks ago. Literally uh, point one left on the clock. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a lot longer than a few weeks ago, man. Feels like we've been in bubbles forever. Uh, but yeah, it'll be so fun to hopefully see them make the cup final and so fun to hopefully see Vegas make the cup final. Uh, and what a series that would be. Well, I think that the way that Tampa Bay has played, it's all but a foregone conclusion that they will be in the cup. I, it would take a tremendous turnaround by the Islanders to turn this series around. And I'd I don't think it's realistic. I mean, they're down two games to nothing now. Um, right. Barry Trotz is a is an excellent coach. He's one of the top and best ones in the league, if you ask me. But this team is not talented enough to make that kind of comeback against a Tampa Bay team that, as we've already said, is very focused, determined, and they want to right the wrongs of last year. They want to prove that last year was nothing to be concerned about and that this team is going to win a Stanley Cup. That is not a question on this team's mind. They are going in – we are winning this thing. We aren't letting anyone get in our way. Uh, sure. And Islanders are no exception to that. So uh, 
Tampa and four. I hate to say it, as but a, I legitimately think Tampa and, and four. <laughs> as a as Tampa, Tampa's been my second favorite team for, I'd say five, probably six or seven years, and seeing them finally, it feels different this year. You look back at twenty fifth or when was it twenty fifteen that they made the finals with Chicago? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um. Even the then, Brendan Morrow, Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Right. It felt different back then. And even last year, they had such a, a solid team, but they hadn't played meaningful hockey in four months because they ran away with it in the regular season. And I, I feel different this year. Even without Stamkos, they've proven that they can make a deep run. And in our bracket, I, I, I chose them to go to the Cup, and I'm, I'm so happy that they're finally proving – that they are serious and that they're a team to contend with because yeah. you look at them and you look at the acquisition Coleman with the first and Nolan foot and then the first for Barkley Goudreau. But like you mentioned, Josh, those, the impacts that those guys are making in the lineup, they wouldn't be there like where they are today without those, the contributions from those guys. So it's a well-oiled machine that's running on all cylinders. You got your defense that's otherworldly and, making contributions from even the, the fifth and sixth defenseman and a goalie that's um, arguably unbeatable. Yep. If they don't, if they don't win it, um, if they don't that, win that, it, it's, it'll be a big shock again. <laughs> that's yeah. the way I look at it. And I do want to look at what they've done with those bottom three lines too. Barkley Goudreau, Blake Coleman, Patrick Maroon, those guys are all excellent hitters. They're all guys who are going to play that a physical game, which is what Tampa Bay didn't have last year. That's why – not saying that's all the reason why they lost to Columbus because it's most definitely not, but it didn't help at all. So the fact that they've got those guys in there now is certainly going to help them do it all this year. All right, thank you for everyone for tuning in. Bill, thank you for coming on. Uh, real quick, Bill, where can people listen to your radio show? Just so they can uh, listen in uh, – it's going to be on. It's going to be on 365sportscast.com, and the name of my show, thanks to a really good Facebook follower, uh, is going to be called Crash the Net. I love it. I wish the Coyotes would do more of it, but it's going to be called Crash the Net. It's going to be on Saturdays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. Of course, all of us right for the last word on sports network, specifically hockey. Uh, so definitely make sure to check us out there. And uh, thanks for listening to episode nine of the Throwing Haymakers podcast. Uh, this is dropping on Saturday. So make sure to tune again in next week.